You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. Today, we're talking about the Lakers. Um, we're going to spend the first half of the episode running down and recapping the Lakers offseason, which was eventful to say the least. And then we're going to spend the second half of this episode talking to one of the newest Lakers shooting guard, Wayne Ellington. So first and foremost, Zach, how you doing, man? How's Minnesota? Doing well, man. Uh, Minnesota is getting, getting rather chilly this time of year, but uh, I'm getting a couple nice fall rounds of golfing and uh, got the week, week at home alone. So trying to just get my football bets in place and line that up so I don't have to spend the whole weekend doing that with, with the family around. Any recommendations on what to slam? I uh, won a couple bucks off the Texans this weekend, believe it or not. That Raiders game, man, that, my heart rate hasn't been jumping like in that in the game. I had the Raiders, luckily, plus four. But Man, I, I was I so lost close to hitting the Raiders money line. I'm, I'm mad I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I lost pretty good week one, but um, I, I picked a lot of picked a lot of spread winners, but I shouldn't have messed with the over under, and that's what ruined my weekend. Mm. So who's it? Who's it going to be this weekend? I I don't want to give anything out right now. Um, I'll I'll definitely text you some of that stuff over, but um, not ready to make a on air definitive pick. Okay, if you say so. So <laughs> Houston Texans all day, baby. No, I mean I, I think Cleveland's easy money this weekend. Um, but maybe that's just me. No, I do like I do like a lot of the favorites from an early glance and yeah, uh, definitely favorite like last week I liked a lot of the a lot of the dogs, but this week it's favorites. That Lions backdoor cover was glorious Ridiculous. for me. Ridiculous. Poor, uh, I saw someone had a parlay to win like 800 something bucks and then the Lions backdoor covered and screwed him out of it. <laughs> so, um, okay. So the Lakers made a lot of moves, man. Um, they pretty much got rid of their entire team, except for LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Taylor Horton Tucker. So let's talk about it. Can you run down each move they made? I'm going to go off the top of my head and then fill in the gaps. Okay. They lost restricted free agent, Alex Caruso. Yep. To the Bulls, they traded Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, and um, don't tell me, Contavious Caldwell Pope to the Washington Wizards in exchange for Russell Westbrook. They did not re-sign Dennis Schroeder, and he went to the Boston Celtics. They waived Marcus Gasol; he's gone. They did not bring Andre Drummond back; he is now with Philadelphia. Um, I'm trying to think who am I missing. Markeith Morris and uh, Ben McLemore. Um, and then Jared Dudley went into the, the abyss, into retirement, who is now a coach with the Dallas Mavericks. Yes, Jared Dudley's an assistant with the Mavs. Ben McLemore's in Portland. This is the biggest revamp of literally LeBron's career, and that, that's saying something. I mean, the dude revamps every freaking year, and uh, he literally... What's that? Where's Markeith? Markeith is with the Miami Heat. Huh. Wow. I do like I forgot. the personality I forgot. fit there. 
Yeah, he is. I forgot they got him. I forgot they got PJ Tucker. Forgot right. about that. No, the the dogs the dogs flock to the South Beach, and yeah. uh, we'll have to get Mark Keefe on and talk about that one a little bit. Um, so they they lost all those guys. They brought in. We already mentioned bringing in Russell Westbrook. They signed Malik Monk. They signed yep. Kenton Bazemore. They signed Kendrick Nunn. They signed DeAndre Jordan. They signed Dwight Howard. They signed Wayne Ellington, who we who we uh, have on later in this show. They signed Rajon Rondo back from the bubble year. Um, Carmelo Anthony. They signed Carmelo. <laughs> and then I think last, you said Malik Monk, right? Yep. And then they lastly added Trevor Ariza. Of course, Trevor Ariza. So I don't know if I'm missing anyone. Let me do one quick sweep just to make sure. Is Wesley Matthews still on the team? No, I don't think no. so. Okay. Oh, and then, of course, they extended THT. Okay. okay. Wow, man. What a, what a crazy offseason. So, so that's what they did. I mean, my first impression is that it's going to work because their, their top-end talent is just too good. LeBron James and AD alone is enough. I mean, I still think if Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt, the Lakers go to the finals in this past season. And in addition to that, they add Russell Westbrook, who is a great great number three option he hasn't quite worked out as a number two but man having russell westbrook as a number three behind lebron and ad it just doesn't seem like that can go wrong even though their fits weird and he can't shoot or space and he kind of talent exceeds it talent exceeds that talent exceeds that fit no doubt let me ask you though i mean russell westbrook the only other options because you look at all these guys i mean lakers literally get to pick anybody in the entire league they want so they chose these guys over others and yes they missed out on a couple to brooklyn uh but for instance russell westbrook the only other guy i could have seen them choosing over russell westbrook is kyle Lowry. um they weren't going to get chris paul because he was tappy and phoenix and probably couldn't have paid him what phoenix is paying him uh but literally kyle Lowry, and maybe they could have made a move for john wall um but i would have went with Ru- russell wouldn't you um, I would go with Kyle Lowry out of those three in terms okay. of fit, but I'd go with Russell over John Wall for them. Um, they also, I mean, they were trying to get Buddy Heald. He's not on the level of those three guys. He would have been a good fit. I, I, look, ultimately, I think they went after Westbrook because Westbrook gives them a chance to let LeBron rest. 100%. Fit aside, I think that's kind of the main thing, right? I think they, they structured this thing so that LeBron can rest, and if AD gets hurt, they'll be okay. And I think they've achieved that. But it is a weird fit. Spacing's a little off. Wayne Ellington will give them some spacing, obviously, because he can shoot. If Ariza can get back up to like a 35, 36% clip, that's what they'll need from him. Let me, let me note this. Not. Let me note this while you're talking about spacing here. So the last two years, the Lakers, really the only areas they rank lower in the league, last year they had like a bottom five offensive rating. But the last two years, they've been in the bottom seven in three-point attempts, three-point makes, the bottom 10 in three-point percentage, the bottom five in field goal attempts, and then 28th both years in free throw percentage. So what have they done to improve that? I mean, through the spacing you're about to talk about, and uh, do you think they'd did things to improve that with the players they added? Well, so like I said, they added Wayne Ellington. 
who's obviously a really good three-point shooter. They added Malik Monk in his four seasons in the league. Um, he's kind of struggled to shoot. Last season, I think he shot 40% on five attempts per game. So that helps if he keeps that up. It's funny. Add- Everybody always tells me he's streaky at 40% last year. Well, I mean, that's the, the other seasons in the league, he was 33, 34, and 28%. And right. then you hit 40%. So I think that's streaky. No, but I'm talking just last year when I say he improved a lot and I thought he was solid throughout the year and I watched a lot, a lot, a lot of their games. Everybody just always comes back, oh, he's streaky, no matter what his percentage says last year. But uh, I think Baysmore can be a really good shooter. I mean, his first couple seasons in the league, he shot sub 30%, but ever since then, it's just been 37, 36, 36, 35, 39. Had a couple seasons. 32 and 33, but those were on uh, not so good teams. And then 38% in last season, 41% in Golden State. So I think Baysmore will be a nice addition. What? We mentioned Wayne Ellington. Kendrick Nunn went from 35 to 38% last year. How much? 35 is rookie year, 38% last year. And then that was from three. Field goal percent, he jumped from 43 to 49 last year. How many attempts from three? Six, both years. Hmm. Yeah, so, so they've got guys that can shoot. Now, how's it going to fit, though? That's, that's what I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James on the court together. I think you're going to have to use Westbrook as a slasher, but I don't know. I mean, I watched him in Houston, and he likes the ball in his hands, right? And even beyond watching him, I've spoken to people within the organization. And there was just a sentiment that Russell Westbrook wanted the ball in his hands and, and it's kind of underreported, but he wanted out of Houston for that reason. Um, very strongly wanted out of Houston. A, a lot of the, yeah, it's the only place he played differently too, is in Houston for that little stretch. Yeah. And he didn't like it. Now, <laughs> he left. Now maybe that's different with next to LeBron James. I can see that, but telling he didn't like it. Um, he wanted out. he, made it known it was not like a friendly separation the organization was happy to get him out of there and he was happy to leave so take that for what it's worth um but yeah so i don't know how that works i also think by the looks of it it looks like la wants to play anthony davis at the four and i think that's a mistake jason maples on twitter talks about this all the time how ad needs to play at the five and and i think LA is at their best when AD plays at the five. You play AD at the five, you can play LeBron at the four, you can play whoever you want at the three out of all the people that they've gotten, right? Take your pick, Ariza, Ellington, Bazemore. You could probably even run Monk at the three or at like a small two. I mean, a small three or at the two. Take your pick. Um, Westbrook at the one. And then again, take your pick at the whoever goes into the three and the two is completely interchangeable based on this roster. I'm with that sentiment, but I mean, the past it was, you're going Andre Drummond. I mean, Dwight Howard. I just, I think it's a personal it's be Andre Jordan and Dwight Howard. Right. So five, right. So again, that's why I think, um, AD, but then again, Carmelo, that, that issue is Carmelo going to be able to, play with these guys or I mean are you gonna Carmelo's run? no smaller than a three and these days Carmelo's not a three so exactly I don't know I really don't know I think their biggest issue is going to be de- defensively they're gonna have AD 
who can shore a lot of things up. I think Dwight Howard will help them, but DeAndre Jordan's not going to do them any favors in pick and roll coverage. He's going to have to play drop coverage on guys that can shoot most likely. None of the guys we mentioned are going to help on that end. Right. I mean, Russell Westbrook, you know, people like to fantasize about his athleticism, making him this like, you know, robotic lab built man to man defender, but he's just not, he's not engaged on the defensive end. You know, he's, he's, he likes to jump passing lanes. He likes to get steals. He likes to get physical and do all that stuff, but he's not a good team scheme defender. Cause he just kind of ball watches sometimes and he gambles, you know, uh, he's never really been that good of a defender. I mean, we saw a few years ago against, uh, the thunder, you know, he took that matchup with, I'm sorry, against the jazz. He took that matchup against Rubo, Rubio individually and personally to the detriment of the team, right? Like it didn't do them any favors. Um, you know, can Ariza defend these days? I'm sure he's fine. I don't think he's a difference maker. So that, uh, that's the thing. It's really tough because you look at how valuable KCP, Kuz, and Caruso were on the defensive end. And then you even throw like Dennis in there, um, Dudley a little bit, Markeith Morris, especially. Those guys are all pretty damn good defenders. Um, but everybody they brought in, Trevor Rees is literally the only name that is a positive on the defensive end. And is he even a positive at this juncture in his career? That's to be uncertain. Maybe Kent Bazemore for a few minutes here and there, but you don't really even want to play those guys because you got to, that's, that's the big conundrum here is like the way they need to play to win the game is different than their personnel says and allows them to play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then they got those, they got the small, you know, combo type guards like Monk and Nunn, and yep. they're not, they're not a defensive plus. I think the other big issue, well, I guess before we move on from defense, so you're right, Caruso was huge for them. Kuzma was actually, I think, pretty, pretty good. Very um, good. Underrated, is, underrated defensively, in my opinion. And KCP. Uh, KCP as well, right? Like that's kind of, that was the identity of those teams uh, was that they were good defensively. They could, three and D a lot of those guys, they hustled, they knew their roles. Now on this team, I mean, you just got guys kind of past their prime defensively. Like you said, Ariza, uh, Deandre Jordan, you know, LeBron, LeBron's more of a free safety on defense these days. Like we said, Westbrook, none monk, like these aren't defenders. Now, in addition to that, there's a hierarchy problem. I think, I think the other Laker iterate the, the other, the past two seasons of the Lakers with LeBron and AD roles were defined. There was no confusion about who was what, right? Maybe last season, I think Montrez wanted more touches. He didn't get them. And I don't think he liked that. Um, and I think there was some kind of tension or conflict or rift with how Schroeder was incorporated and how Schroeder and I think AD kind of played off of each other. But this season, I mean, what's the hierarchy? You know, Melo's going to want to play. Uh, Westbrook's definitely going to play. And they... Monk and Nunn, where do they fit in? Rondo, right. where does Rondo fit in? They still need to develop those guys too. And, and, and they don't have time to do that, you know? So, that's the tough part. Yeah. Uh, Ariza, you know, Ariza, like they just have guys that there's no clear hierarchy of who plays over who. Like, for example, on the wing, between Ariza, Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, um, and Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn, who plays? I don't know. Call, call me crazy, though, in this situation. I think it's more important to get Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, and uh, Talon Horton Tucker minutes to develop than the other guys because 
I don't think they're really going to be bitching about playing time. I think Melo's to this point in his career yet. Like, yeah, I would love to get out and play with LeBron. I think Westbrook even would be okay with a minutes decline. I, it's going to be very interesting to see how they disperse these minutes, but um, I, I just I would rather focus on those young guys because regardless if they play bad or good, they still have enough talent to make up for that, especially early in the season in my estimation. And they did not get all these vet- veterans to play the young guys. That's the issue. They didn't No, but I mean, that's their ceiling though. I think they need those guys to be better to get to their ceiling. Cause that's where a lot of their defensive potential is. And Malik yeah, like with THT, for example, but he can't spread the floor. And then, I mean, look, if you're going to play, let's say they start Deandre or Dwight, whichever one it is at the five AD at the four LeBron at the three, whoever they choose to start at the two, let's say it's Ellington. Cause I think he's probably their best shooter. Let's just say, yeah. and let's assume he shoots 40% from three and then Westbrook at the one, there's no space there at all. There's no space there at all. And then you have, you're going to have AD kind of anchoring to cover up the defensive issues that you're going to have from if it's Dwight, I mean, Dwight maybe will be better, but if it's DeAndre Jordan, eesh, it's DeAndre Jordan and LeBron kind of playing safety and Russ. I just don't. I, don't I think know. this is the year Anthony Davis, they need him to shoot closer to 37, 38% from three. And it's not happening. The, the fact is that sucks because you're then you're focused on maximizing the other guys when Anthony Davis is way better inside the three-point line instead of turning him into fucking Kevin Love. We're not trying to do that either. I mean, but. look, they could do what they did a couple years ago and just use size to beat people down. And like we've already talked about. Then you got to use DeAndre Jordan, man. We're not trying to do that here. Well, I mean, they did it with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, so who knows. But they also did it in the playoffs by playing Anthony Davis at the five. But um, they could do that. And I think their top-end talent, like we've talked about, should be enough to carry them. However, uh, by the way, you say Anthony Davis needs to shoot 37 to 38% from three. He's never shot higher than 34%, and that was four years ago. So take that for what it's worth. But I don't know. I mean, they have the most talent. I just don't see the, – the, here's the other part. I don't see anyone in the West with enough talent to beat them, even right. at their – even with the, the only team would be as if Denver um, Jamal Murray comes back to full form and sooner than later. And Michael Porter jr. Takes another leap. Um, yeah. And then Aaron Gordon can gets better. I mean, uh, man, Aaron Gordon doesn't have to get better. If, if Ooh, I think if he does. M- if MPJ takes he another backwards leap, last year, if MPJ, well, cause he's not, he's not that guy, you know, he's a four, he's a fourth option. So if he's a fourth option, he'll be fine. If he's a third option, they're in trouble. If Michael Porter Jr. takes a leap and if Jamal Murray actually comes back at full force, Denver is in the mix for sure. I just think they, they fit better and they're good enough. But other than that, there's no one in the West that can mess with the amount of talent that the Lakers have. So I think they'll coast for that reason, unless Phoenix was the real deal. Maybe Phoenix, you know, maybe Phoenix is the real deal. But even then, I don't think... I that think would DeAndre be... Gonna... Yeah, that would be DeAndre Ayton, McCall. And Devin Booker, all three of them having to take another leap in order to compete with a full force Lakers squad, in my opinion, Um, which I expect Bridges and Booker to go up a little bit. I don't expect Aiton to get much better than last year right away. I mean, yeah, by the end of the year, maybe he could, but I don't know how much better in this year. But yeah, I I just don't see the minutes. 
I don't know how the minutes will be dispersed. It's the weirdest little fit. I mean, I think, like I said, those four, those three will start for sure. You're going to have AD, LeBron, Russ starting, one of Dwight, one of DeAndre, one of Dwight and DeAndre starting, and the other one backing up. And then I don't know what they do with the two. Maybe Wayne Ellington, maybe Baysmore, maybe Monk, maybe none. Who are the other two guys that you would start? I would go personally, I'd go Malik Monk for sure. And then the other one is the hardest debate in my estimation. Um, I don't know, Carmelo, Kendrick, none, but I don't, I don't like Melo there. Maybe even Wayne Ellington, but um, yeah, that, that last spot for me is incredibly hard uh, to just say who I'd even want right now. Maybe Talon Horton Tucker, but he just doesn't. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. THT, but he doesn't spread the floor. Honestly, I would go AD at the five. <clears throat> I think I'd go AD at the five, LeBron at the four, Ariza at the three, uh, oh, Ellington, at, Ellington at the two, and then Westbrook at the one is what I think I'd do. And then I think I would bring Rondo off the bench behind Westbrook. Um, or, yeah, I think I'd bring Rondo off the bench behind Westbrook. I'd bring THT at the two off the bench. Um, you know, you could use Dwight Howard as the five off the bench and then take your pick for those last two spots between Bazemore, Mello, Monk, and none. All right. I need a defensive projection. Okay. Um, last year they were number one in defensive rating on the year. How far back do they fall? with this <sighs> how far back do they fall well i mean it, it, it depends on who they play if they're playing monk and none heavy minutes and mellow heavy minutes they're gonna be bad like right? i don't see this roster being better than a top seven defense perimeter defense is an issue on this team period oh it's immensely downgraded words came and describe how much they downgraded on that's what I'm saying. they're gonna defense. have to rely on ad to basically anchor the paint and if he can do that and stay healthy they might be able to to get away with it. But if not, I don't know. Um, I don't know. They don't have any like lockdown defenders, you know, they don't have, they might not even have any serviceable perimeter defenders. It's, it's, it's a reason in Bazemore. Ellen, yeah. I guess why I think none can be the, I mean, he's, he's gotta uh, be the guy. I mean, that's, they're going to have to. And then that's the other thing trade off, man. Or look, okay. Let me take that back. Taylor Horton, Tucker, Wayne Ellington, Right. I think those two guys can, can be serviceable defensively, but like, no, they are, you know, Wayne Ellington is a three and D guy. So I think he's going to be huge for them. I think he's the only legitimate, like two way player. They have three and D in terms of three and D Taylor Horton Tucker is going to have to be on there when LeBron and Westbrook are not. Um, Cause he doesn't spread the floor unless he takes like a major, you know, leap and can get up to 35, 36%. And then after that, after that, I don't know. I really don't know. Bazemore's I Ariza's, you know, past his prime. He can he can be okay, but nothing to really like hang your hat on. I can't um, honestly think of a more fascinating team than the Lakers. Really, uh, I'm excited to see it. It's weird. There's a, there's a lot of interesting and exciting teams, but fascinating. Uh, just between the the bad fits and. The young talent and the vets and dispersing these minutes, it's like, yeah, fascination at its finest right here. It's going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it because I've always wanted Russ to get get a title or at least have a real chance at getting one. And I think he's been on a few teams, uh, but I don't know. This is as good a chance as any for him. If it's not this year, it's never. That's for sure. That's for sure. It's just going to be weird, man. I'm really, really curious to see how the lack of spacing plays out. Do they figure out a way around it or does it like actually make them a lot worse than they should be on paper or not even worse than they should be, but does it just make them struggle? Because today's game is all about space. Russ is most efficient. Not I don't know if it's his most efficient on paper, but some of the most efficient basketball I've ever seen from him was in Houston when he was relentlessly attacking. And in order to do that, they had to trade Capella and create the space. So you're not going to be able to do that with DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard at the five. In addition to that, um, I mean, LeBron plays, doesn't play like James Harden, but he doesn't, he's going to attack, right? And so, yeah, Russell Westbrook's defender is going to sag off and double off. Is Russ going to crash the rim on every play? I doubt it. You know, he's never really done that. So I think the biggest benefit with Russell Westbrook is, we said earlier, resting purposes for LeBron. I mean, just another really high usage player that's talented that can take off. I mean, be a huge load for this team constantly throughout the year. But I mean, the the biggest thing is is LeBron. I mean, w- would he get lazy and just maybe move to the three even more and just become more of a perimeter guy and let Russ do his thing if it works and when they're playing together. Cause I could, I could maybe see that happening if Russell's rolling and LeBron just <laughs> really works on his three point shot. And um, I mean, he's constantly moving away from the back basket and attacking less and less. And then he's got a guy that moving away. He's just standing away. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, can, can LeBron be a catch and shoot three pointer, three point shooter? Yes. Is that the best way to utilize? No, absolutely not. You know, I do think that Russ is going to thrive running a pick and roll with AD. Yes. He ran a good pick and roll game with Steven Adams. He never figured it out with Capella for whatever reason, but I think him and AD will, will click very quickly in the pick and roll, throwing lobs and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just about who's playing. Like, I don't even know if there's an identified top eight, you know, there's so many guys that could all have a claim for the rotation. Um, and then there's guys that are going to want it based off name alone, like DeAndre Jordan, like Melo. And those guys move so slow these days that I just don't think they're, they're going to help that team. I think if Melo's playing with the other guys, it's only going to ruin things, right? Um, yeah, he played well in Portland put up some good numbers for his age, but they were consistently one of they the worst defensive, one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And when Melo was with the Rockets, I saw firsthand, you know, he's not good on defense. He, he actually shies away from contact at the basket on defense. Um, and if he's your four, like you can't really live with that. You're not going to have a good defense. So I don't know. I mean, I'm still picking them to emerge from the West because they have so much talent, but I am very interested to see how it actually plays out because um, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it's going to be very interesting to watch it play out. And any last thoughts on the Lakers before we bring in Wayne? Any last thoughts on the Lakers? No, I think we we've spelled our doubts out. It's weird though. (laughs) Yeah. We have so many doubts, but we also (laughs) think they're going to come out of the West. So how do you explain that? I don't know. That's um, what bringing talent means. 
I mean, talent exceeds the fit. And yeah, I mean, LeBron's just too good. LeBron and AD are too good. Now, if AD goes down, well, it's realistic. He did I mean, Russ could go down. LeBron could go down. I mean, yes, they're guys that are pretty injury prone and LeBron and Russ, I mean, more so as their career goes on here. But it's almost like in Houston, like John Wall is now out of the equation. And so it, it makes the rotation clearer and it makes the fit clearer. If Russ was to go down, and I'm not saying I want him to go down, but I'm just saying if he, if he gets hurt, he does have a history of having knee issues. He does have a history of having quad issues. All that stuff can really flare up and, and take you out for a while. Then you got then I think none. Then I think things get a little easier to slot because then you can, you know, make some pairings, right? Rondo and Ellington, Nunn and Monk in the back. Like you can kind of filter it through like that. But with Russ in there and with the minutes he's used to playing, the minutes he's expecting to play and the role that he commands and just the general usage, dude. I mean, even in Houston, when they decreased his usage, maybe they didn't. I don't, I don't know that number off the top of my head, but I think his, decrease, his usage decreased by virtue of playing with Harden who had... Actually, I think Russ was... No, I think he had mid-30s usage. Look that up while I'm talking, please. But I'm pretty sure it went down. The usage that he's going to have, it's just hard to to imagine other guys getting, you know, consistent minutes in the backcourt. And then what does that do? Because you need the spacing. It's this weird conundrum. Now, if he decides to start slashing, it was mid mid level for his career. It was thirty four point four his career high. He was above. He was above that number. Let's just say three years in his career. <laughs> what was it in Houston? 34.4. He was only above that number three other times throughout his career. Okay. Yeah. So I do take that back. Yeah. He did have, he was highly used in Houston. Right. Very. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What was his usage this past season in Washington? 30.2. Okay. That's less. Um, and he still averaged a triple double. I mean, look, Russ is going to help them push the pace on the boards, but I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's all weird. I, I think defense will be their main issue. And then if they do have actual defensive issues on those nights where the spacing doesn't work, they'll, they're going to have trouble. Um, but they're also just so talented that they should be able to, to debunk like the general stat game and the general numbers game and just beat you with talent. So we'll see. I, I don't count LeBron out. That's my general rule of thumb. This past season, he got knocked out because AD went out. But if LeBron has a healthy superstar running mate, he wins. So, so wait, are you saying he's your, they're your pick over Brooklyn right now? I don't know what's going to happen between those two teams. If you ask me to pick full health, both teams, I take Brooklyn. Same, same. Yeah. I mean, they just have it all. You know, there's really no question mark for Brooklyn, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and younger. Younger, even their veteran pieces, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, they just have a more defined role, I think, especially Better with Andre Jordan gone, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the Lakers are trying to make use of some washed up parts. And I just don't know what, what I don't know is who they promised would play, you know? Like, what's Melo? Is Melo expecting? How many minutes did Melo play in, in Portland? Let's see. Because look, I'm not trying to paint Melo a certain way, but I don't think Carmelo's walking in here to get DNPs, you know? Um, 24.5 last year, um, 32.8 the year before. So 
like Wayne said, coming on, I know Wayne's much different. His expectations are going to be a lot less, but uh, didn't really even talk about a role. But every, he also said, you know what you're getting with Wayne Ellington. Everybody. He's a professional 3 and D guy. I just don't know. I don't know, man. You can't play everybody, and no one likes to sit, you know? And it, it also doesn't help if you, like, rotate guys in, you know? Like, hey, you play five games, you play the next five games. Like, that, that doesn't happen in the NBA. No. So someone's going to have to sit and the, the, their 12th man is going to be someone that could get 20 to 30 minutes a night on some other team. I'm telling you, I'm sitting Ariza. I'm sitting Bazemore. I'm sitting DeAndre Jordan. Um, Dwight Howard is going to be valuable towards more towards the playoffs, but I, I think he knows what his role is and he'll be a spark plug when you need him. but his minutes should be lower throughout the regular season. It's the other guys and go smaller. I, I really believe it. Um, Kendrick Nunn and Monk are so inefficient, though, and I don't think I think Monk is a negative defensively, and I don't think Kendrick Nunn is much defensively either. I just think having an inefficient backcourt that doesn't do what you'd want defensively next to LeBron is. Uh, I, don't know. I think you sign them for their upside yet, though. I, I do think they both have a lot more upside, and um, Kendrick Nunn's extremely underrated in my estimation. All right. Well, with that said, we will take a break here and we will bring Mr. Wayne Ellington in. So stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Welcome back to another episode of the Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today, we have one of the newest additions to the Los Angeles Lakers in the building, Mr. Wayne Ellington himself. Wayne, how you doing? How you living? What's going on, fellas? I'm great. I'm great. Blessed out here in L.A. now, enjoying this beautiful weather, uh, trying to get acclimated um, with the team and with the city. So uh, everything is great on my end. Minnesota legend. Don't forget it, Roosh. <laughs> Wayne, <laughs> no doubt. Are no you a legend as well? Wayne, when you say you're getting acclimated to the city, can you elaborate on that for me? Uh, just, you know, finding my whereabouts, um, you know, finding find my spots. Uh, what? Finding my way. Spots, find, grocery find, spots? Like, what do you mean? All that stuff. Closest target. <laughs> <laughs> um, finding find my way to the facility without using uh, navigation. There you go. You know, just hey, just if you need some get good familiar, food, get familiar with the area. If you need some good food when we get off, let me know. I uh, I know some very good like chicken spots, like Korean fried chicken type things. Some good nice. Asian food. Nice. So, LA's got some great food, but um, it definitely does. Yes, it does, man. What's the weather been like in, out in LA? I haven't been back in a couple months. Like I said, I live out there, but I, I've been out in Texas for a few months. Yeah, now, it's been beautiful, uh, especially during the day. Sunshine. Uh, I guess seventies. And then it gets a little, it's cooler in the morning and at night, like always. Oh, always is. It doesn't, doesn't yeah. ever change. It is what it is. Yeah, so this yeah. is. 
this is take two in LA for you now. So what, what is the transition? Like, what did you learn that first go around from just outside of basketball? Uh, well, first things first is the traffic. Got a plan ahead. Got a plan ahead. Yeah. But you know, it's cool. Comes with it. Comes with it. I think, I think that's the first thing. Um, and then, um, what else, man? I mean, it's not, it's not much, man. It's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great place to live, man. It's good living out here. I enjoy it at least. I love, I love nice weather and sunshine. Moving two miles will take you thirty minutes out there. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah, especially, especially at certain times of day. So, yeah, that's a, that's the one thing for me that, um, that was a, an awakening for me when I my first go around out here was just getting used to that traffic at four or five. Yeah, man, especially downtown Staples, like when you when you exit and you you know, you're trying to get to the Staples Center. I used to live downtown for a couple of years. It's a madhouse, bro. It's insane. Buses everywhere, people everywhere, not enough <laughs> lanes, cars. It's ridiculous. Yeah, too many cars. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. tell us, man, what brought you back to, to Los Angeles for this basketball season? Um, obviously a lot of teams around the league every year need three-point shooting and defense from the two-spot. Um, so your services are highly coveted. And L.A., the Lakers, they, they loaded up. I mean, just about any name you could imagine is now on your team, on that roster. So what went into your decision-making process and what ultimately brought you back to L.A.? And legitimately, you've played for every team, so you know. <laughs> Everybody wants <laughs> you. And you I've, know. Definitely played, I've definitely played for a lot of teams. Um, but uh, just... just um, the type of interest that they showed um, stuck out to me way more than any other team. Um, you know, had conversations in the past, uh, and then before free agency, had some conversations with some of the guys uh, on the team, uh, and and it just felt like it was a perfect fit and perfect timing. Obviously, um, I felt like uh, what I bring to the table uh, was needed with, with the roster that was being put together. Uh, the roster that they had, uh, especially at the Russ, uh, came on board. Uh, I felt like, you know, the, you know my shooting and uh, my movement uh, without the ball uh, is something that would, would definitely be, um, uh, you know, a, a compliment to, to this roster. Hey, Wayne, were, were you looking at Brooklyn at all or was going to L.A. here like a dream come true for you? Uh yeah, I mean, I mean there, there were some teams I looked at. You were. Uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn was one. Brooklyn, Brooklyn was one. Um, but, but L.A. was just, it was, it was you know, it was, it was too good of a situation for me. Uh, obviously, Brooklyn already has some, some shooters uh, that do some similar things like I do, and, you know, and Joe Harris and uh, a couple other guys, I think a couple other guys as well that they had. Um, so, uh, like I said, man, it was, it was just, it was, it was an easy decision for me. Very good. So you think LA needed you more, and that's why you chose them over Brooklyn? I mean, that's not the only reason, but I do think um, you know what I bring to the table is needed more here in LA. Yo, Wayne, I gotta say, um, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure you're from Pennsylvania. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Did you spend any time? Area. Have you spent any time growing up in New Orleans by any chance? Nah, I'm going to make you ask that. <laughs> that was random. The way, you say, the way you say table is like table. Sounds like, uh, sounds like New Orleans. It's like that A sounds like <laughs> New Orleans. Little. I mean, it's crazy. There's a lot of, it's a lot of similar slang, man, from different. From different I never uh, knew that. 
Yeah, different different parts of town. I never. That's interesting. And I gotta call some of my New Orleans homies and see how they <laughs> seriously. Because <say> <laughs> okay. I, I know the New Orleans New Orleans accent, and but I, I didn't hear that at all. I mean, look, like we Love talked it. about, I, I, I still say New Orleans. They say New Orleans, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like we talked about before we came on. I mean, I always say this. I make it a point to say this in every episode. I'm from Houston. New Orleans is our neighbor. Um, so yeah. I know that I know that accent well. It just sounds real New Orleans. But no I want to ask you this, man. So you chose Hello. to go to LA. This is probably one of the deeper rosters I think I've ever seen in the NBA. NBA um, history. It yeah, literally yeah. might be the if you one of the fun questions I like to say is you put every single player on this team in their prime, I think it might be the greatest <laughs> team of all time. Yeah, man. I mean, look, you got Melo, Trevor Ariza, Baysmore. Baysmore can play. Obviously, AD, Wayne, Taylor Horton Tucker. Dwight Howard, LeBron, DeAndre, Wesley Matthews, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Rajon Rondo, Russ. All those guys, all, all of them could start on, y'all could all start on any team, right? So how, when you spoke with LA, what was the pitch to you and what's, what's your role? Like, are you, is everyone on the team expecting kind of a next man up mentality? Like, do you, do you, do you foresee any kind of issues getting minutes for guys or what? Because that, that's my question. It feels like all 12 can just play at any given time. And, but obviously in the NBA, you can't make time for every single person to play. So I'm kind of curious. Of course. Well, I think, you know, we have one of the older rosters. So I think um, guys being able to be mature about, about that, you know, we all understand everybody's not going to be able to play 30 minutes a game. Um, so uh, there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be, there's going to be some sacrifice that's going to be needed to be made. Um, and I think that's part of the understanding. Um, we're also understanding that, uh, with the older roster, guys aren't going to be able to play it. Guys aren't going to play it every single game. You know, I think you're going to see sometimes guys, guys get some rest days and other guys, and that's when uh, the next man mentality uh, comes into play. So I think, um, you know, it, I think it's a great combination, man, uh, of, of basketball IQ, uh, championship experience, um, uh, hunger with the guys, you know, wanting more. Uh, you know, you got a mix of guys who haven't won championships who are, are hungry for championships. And then you got, you know, some young guys, you know, and Kendrick Nunn and, you know, Malik Monk, uh, THT. Um, you know, we got some young guys that are dogs. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great mix of, of veteran, veterans um, and then some, some mid guys and then, and then young guys. So I think, um, you know, I think, I think the roster was constructed beautifully, honestly. So if you, if I just wanted to follow up, Zach, if you go, I don't know, let's say you go five, 10 games without seeing the court as a veteran player, that's ready to go at any given moment. What's your mentality in, in that type of scenario? If that happens. Um, stay ready, stay ready, man. Um, you know, I've been in, a, I've been in those types of situations before, uh, as a younger player. Um, and you know, you gotta continue to get your work. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta work like, you know, you're getting ready to uh, play 30 minutes the next game. Uh, you just gotta be prepared. You gotta be prepared because at some point your number's gonna get called, man. That's just how the NBA works. And I've learned that, you know, going into year 13, that's just how the NBA works. Uh, at some point your number's gonna get called. And when it's called, you gotta be ready for the opportunity. You, you are who you are, Wayne, and that's why you've been in the league so long. Um, arguably top three, top five. Greatest number 28 pick of all time. I was going over that list and 
Um, it's pretty impressive to say you're in, in that group. I mean, Tony Parker's the only guy I can think of on that list that's for sure above you at the number 28 pick. So it's pretty incredible to have this long of a career. But um, outside of always being ready, why have you had such a long career? Like, how have you been able to make it after never knowing your circumstance? You haven't go through free agency every year. This this could be the end of the run because uh, you never never know. You never know what's going to end. But you're a guy that's just always needed. So that that's pretty helpful, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely helpful. Um, I mean, like you said, man, you know, being 28th pick, uh, still here 13 years in, um, I think I think really it's, it's a compliment to my professionalism. One, I think my work ethic. Um, I think teams uh, obviously value my shooting. Um, I think uh, I came in the league at a, a perfect time where, uh, three-point shooting has really evolved around the league, and it's a huge, huge uh, emphasis uh, now. Obviously, shooting three-point shooting is a premium. So uh, I think all those things, man, just it, it's all worked out in my favor. Um, I take care of my body. Obviously, I'm still able to move really well um, and still uh, shoot that thing. Most importantly, um, but then you know I'm a team guy. I'm a team first guy, and teams. I think teams really value that. Uh, you know, quiet is kept. Uh, I think teams really, really value uh, guys who are going to be able to come in and, uh, you know, are willing to uh, put the team first, man, especially in this league. So I think this is by far the, the best roster you've been on in the NBA. And I think, okay. yeah, for sure. And I think it's hard that, to beat, arguably, the greatest roster. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. But, but no in, doubt, addition to, no doubt. in addition to that, um, I mean, you're playing with LeBron James, who's the best player I think you've ever played with. And Anthony Davis is pretty damn good, too. So hey, Kobe I wanted to, still pretty good when he played with him. Yeah, I wanted to ask. Um, so one of one of the good friends of the show, he does some work for Lakers Outsiders, and he hosts the State of the Lakers podcast. His name is Raj. Raj wanted me to ask, and I think this is a good question. Um, he wants to know how working with a screener as dynamic as AD opens up the game for you as a shooter. Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, I think I think it I think it opens up the game for me uh, amazingly. Uh, I mean, imagine you know being me and running off the AD screen. I'm, I'm picturing it right now, right? Uh, his man, his man. First of all, his man can't help, right? His man helps, and you know, I, all I gotta do is throw it to him, and you know, he he can do whatever he wants to do with it, and then uh, he can't switch. Then I can throw it to him, and my, you know, he can post post up, you know, whoever was guarding me. Um, I, I mean, and then you know, he just got his IQ is is so is so uh, high that you know he he knows when he can slip out of it, when you know when to uh, set it and hold it. Um, it's crazy that you asked that question because I was working out with uh, with uh, Phil today, uh, and we were talking about you know the, the types of screeners that we got on the, on this team. Uh, and I was just, I was, I was smiling from ear to ear, uh, obviously, just because that's, that's a huge part of my game. Uh, but I mean, you know, coming off an of AD screen, that, that the versatility and, and, and the, the, the type of plays that can be made out of that, uh, there's, there's no limit to it. Who's the best screener you've ever played with? Ooh. Best screener I've ever played with. Hmm. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say 
I'm gonna say Bam. Love it. One, one because he was a rookie, and you know that was one of his main jobs was to set and hold screens and get guys open. Um, but then also because uh, you know his, his as a big his ball handling uh, is is great. So I could you know I could put a get game with him. I could come off the screen and throw it back to him, uh, and then he could. You know he could kind of dribble hand off and make make a, a beautiful play out of it. So I would say Bam so far. Very good. What about passer? Like, where who who do you like catching from the most that you've played with? That I play with. It's crazy, man. I'm talking to a Minnesota guy. I'm gonna say Ricky Rubio. There we go. There we go. I'm gonna say Ricky Rubio. I'm gonna shout out Ricky on there, man. He was he was a, he was a great pass. The maestro. I enjoy playing with him. Um, I'm blessed this year to be able to play with, you know, some amazing passes. I can't wait to get out there in the floor with. What uh, – I got to go back a little bit. I need to know, what was your mindset getting drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves and coming into the league? Like, where were you at from there and to, as you progressed, let's say, as you left Minnesota? What was that, what was that time like overall for you? Um, it was, it was different for me, honestly. Um, you know, my mindset, you know, going to Minnesota, you know, I didn't really mind, uh, the city, you know, what city I was going to, you know, I was, I was more excited to be able to, uh, fulfill my dreams and getting drafted into the NBA. Uh, um, but you know, once I got there, it was kind of like a, a, a welcome to the NBA type of thing, man, just because at North Carolina, I think, I think we lost like, 14 games in my three years or something like that. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was, it was tough, honestly, for me to adjust, um, early on just because we had a really young team and we didn't win many games. So, you know, my mindset, you know, coming from a national championship, I came up a national championship, right. And my mindset was, you know, we're going into this thing. I'm, I'm trying to win. That's all I knew. That's all I knew was, was, was win. Um, and then that's you know, not what they do in Minnesota. <laughs> that's definitely man. not what we did when I was in Minnesota. Hey, but you performed um, so well it, though, man. You, you, I mean, you, you played your role and you're, you're a valuable player. I mean, we weren't yeah. expecting you to change, move heaven and earth for us, but <laughs> for the 28th pick, I mean, you shot damn near 40% two out of the three years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was developed. I was developing and I was developing in, into who I, who I feel like I am today. And, uh, but, but like I was saying, it was, it was tough for me because I would be, I would, I would be so tied up and, and angry about losing yeah. that you know, I would, you know, it, it, I would, it was, it was, a, it was a tough transition, but, but like you said, you know, I, then I, you know, I kind of figured it out and, uh, and I grew from it. I got to ask for Roosh here. Do you have any good memories outside of um, basketball? I mean, what did you think of Minnesota as a whole? What did you do? For, yeah, what did you do for fun? Any spots? Definitely, man. We we uh, had some fun. You know, we had a young team, so we had some fun, man. We we had a lot of fun. Um, it's crazy you said. I I just talked to Wes Johnson today. There we go. Yeah, we still keep still keep in touch with some of my my my, uh, my Timberwolf uh, brothers. Um, but uh, yeah, man, we, we had some fun. We used to hang out at seven. There you uh, go. I think seven's still up there. Yeah, it's still popping. It's still good. Yeah, yeah. We used to hang out at seven a little bit. Um, Lake, Lake Minnetonka, uh, a little bit in the summertime. 
Um, yeah, man, I had some I had some great memories in, in Minnesota. I'm Good forever year. thankful and appreciative uh, for them drafting me for sure. So we've on this show we've talked to a lot of people that uh, have been around LeBron James, have covered LeBron James in a journalistic capacity, been in the locker room, whatever, played with LeBron James, all that. So one thing I've learned from doing that is that LeBron has a very specific way uh, about how he goes about business when it comes to basketball. And he's very demanding from what I can understand in a good way, in a positive way, right? Kind of the, kind of the, the thing where he sets the, the bar and sets the tone and he's expecting his teammates to meet that and match that. Have you had a chance to get in there and work out, do any training, you know, run any pickup, anything to kind of get an understanding of what that's going to be like? Um, and if yes, can you elaborate on it? And if no, what are you expecting going into it? Um, not yet. Uh, haven't, haven't gotten a chance to work out with him specifically yet uh, or play yet. But I would say this, and I've been, this is, today was my second day um, working out at the facility. Um, and, and every morning that I get there, he's already there uh, in a full sweat uh, going through his workout. So, I mean, you know, that's all that needs to be said. You know, for, for me to see that, um, you know, just, just tells me where I need to be and what I need to be doing. Um, and, then, you know, just watching him a little bit and seeing uh, how specific he is and detailed he is uh, while he's going through that work. Um, you know, it, it, just, it just shows that why he's, you know, one of the greatest players ever to touch a basketball. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I, you know, I watched he was He was in there shooting with some of the younger guys today. Um, this morning and uh, just watching how, you know, his intensity and watching how he was, he was coming off, you know, he was visualizing the game and how he was getting to a spot and his footwork, um, you know, and he was, to be honest, I think he was going, he was going harder than some of those guys. And I was like, man, shoot. And if I, when I get out there, Brian, there's no way I'm letting him go harder than me in these drills. You know, we're, we're going to be Hell yeah. to see who's going the hardest <laughs> and who's going to be the sharpest because I can't let him beat me in those shooting drills. I can't, you know, I can't let him, I'll do me and what I do. I saw, I saw that video or a video of what I think you're talking about. I think he was shooting with THT from the corner from what I saw. Um, is that intimidating to you? Is it motivating? Is it both? No, that's motivating for me. Uh, that's motivating for me, man. I, I, you know, I've, I've, my whole, my whole career, I've always wanted an opportunity uh, to contend for a championship. Um, and I've always sat and like I've, and I've watched on TV and I've watched some of the looks that uh, LeBron creates uh, from the attention that he brings. And I was like, man, I, I just lick my chops. I'm like, <laughs> one day, one day I'm hoping to get, you know, some of those looks. And um, I, mean, I think it's just perfect timing. I think uh, now, now I'm getting what I've been asking for. So you played one season in LA with Kobe. Do you got any good Kobe stories for us? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course, man. I got some cold stories, man. Um, miss him dearly, obviously. Um, uh, there's one. There's one time. I, I think I've told this story before, but it's it's just hilarious to me, man. You're just think about it. Uh, we're all chilling in the locker room, um, and uh, Jeremy, him and Jeremy Lin were just talking trash to each other, going back and forth a little bit, and um, and. Uh, you know, Jay Lynn's like, he's like, Cole, man, I'm, I'm not scared of you, man. I don't, you know, I'm, I don't fear you. I only fear God. And Cole looks at him and goes, yeah, 
me, God, we're one of the same. Like, we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> and we all just bust out laughing, man. I was like, yeah, let's do this crazy, man. <laughs> but that's one of my funny. With the fear of God in you, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Rest That's in great. peace to Kobe Bryant, man. Is there yes, anything man. specifically Rest that you just peace. learned from him or was it just more of like a thing of just being around him and kind of the aura that he had? Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from his work ethic, obviously. Um, and then just, you know, just being around him. I, I'm a very observant player. I observe and I watch, uh, especially great players and players that, uh, you know, I admire. And, you know, he 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 was he was... It was just unbelievable. Even at that stage in his career uh, on our team, we knew we didn't have such a great team. He still got his work and he was still super uh, determined and, and, and ambitious. Um, and there, there's one time, man, where uh, uh, he's, he's out working out before practice. Uh, and I come into the gym, uh, I think it was me and Julius, uh, Julius Randa. Yep. Uh, we, we come into the gym. He's like, yo, Jules, come on. I'm like, oh, he's about to, he about to, you know, about to play one-on-one. In two seconds, he's like, Wayne, come on. So we get out there and we're playing one-on-one-on-one. Uh, and in the beginning, you know, we're, me and Julius, we're, we're holding our own a little bit. You know, we, you know, young guys were out there. We're going hard, you know, playing against Cole. So, you know, we're, you know, we're going hard, right? So the game gets a little, you know, the game gets closer to the end. And, you know, he puts on one of his Kobe faces. And dude ran off like 10 straight. <laughs> <laughs> he ran off like 10 straight on his man. It, you know, and I was just like, damn, you know, that was it. That's a Biting Kobe his lip, fangs right? showing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Biting his lips, doing turnarounds. I'm like, you know, I'm all in his face. There's no way that's going counting bottom of the net. And it's just like, damn. And I look back at that kind of stuff now. You know, while you're in it, you don't really realize what's going on. But then when you look back at it, you, know, you, you take all those moments and you store them, man. You appreciate them a, a lot more, obviously, now. Love that, yeah. man. I appreciate you sharing that. You realize sure. you're at the mercy of a master. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> so we talked about AD. We talked about LeBron. talked about Kobe. Um, there's another big name though that you're you're now playing with, and um, he plays a position that can probably feed you the rock, and will probably draw attention uh, from the perimeter, and then he's going to kick it out to you for shots, mm-hmm. and that's Russell Westbrook. Um, what are you expecting from playing with Russell Westbrook? Like, what are your expectations kind of going into that? Because a lot of people think the fit might be funny. Um, and look, I'm a Rockets fan, so I know a lot about Russell Westbrook's game. He's got mm-hmm. one gear, and that's it, and that's that is go. He goes. Um, so you kind of have to match his intensity when you're playing with him. So what are your expectations going into that? Uh, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. I've always been a huge fan of Russ's game, uh, and the intensity and, and, and the mindset that he brings. Um, and, you know, when you say he has one gear, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's the right terminology to use. I know, I mean, you can say he goes hard, you know, that's the gear, but, you know, he, you know, he's a super shifty player, man, where, and hard to guard. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a you know a, a triple double king. When I right, say so. one gear, just to be clear, I mean he could be down twenty points and he's still going. He's full. still going hard. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No. No doubt. No doubt. And in terms of that, yeah, one gear. Um. And and I'm excited for that. I mean, I, I feed off a player off of 
players that bring that type of intensity and that type of mindset. So, uh, I mean, I, and he's a guy who's looking to pass, right? He's looking to pass, uh, and he's looking to hit guys uh, to make shots. And, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's funny, man, how it works out. Uh, last year, we were playing against him, um, and he, uh, you know, he drove in, and he kicked it out to one of the guys on the Wizards, and he didn't, the guy didn't shoot it. And, and he was like, and he just looked at him like, and I, 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 I ran by him, and I'm like, I'll shoot that mark for you. <laughs> and he's looking nice. at me like, I know you will. I know you will. Yeah, y'all are going to get along just yeah, fine. Is. I mean, you yeah. got a quick trigger, so yeah. that's all yeah. you need. Uh, looking back over your nine franchises you played with, I think that's the exact number I counted, but um, what was the most fun year you had? What was the, your favorite team you played on? Uh, my favorite team so far, I would have to say uh, – uh, Miami Heat team, um, I think 17, 18 was the season. Um, Why is that? Just because I had a, it, we, we had, a, we had, we were underdogs. We were underdogs. Um, but we had guys that, that went hard. We, went, we really went hard. We put the work in. Um, you know, we played together as a team, um, selfless. And, and I, we surprised a lot of people. Uh, we surprised a lot of people. I had a lot of fun. Spo let me let it fly. For sure. Uh, yeah, Spo, you know, obviously as a shooter, when, when your head coach is telling you, uh, let it fly, don't pass up any, any looks, um, it's really fun. So, you know, I still still have a lot of love for those guys. And yeah, that was, that was definitely uh, one of my favorite seasons. Looking at your stats for that season, um, that's, the, that's the last time you played basically a full season, 77 games, um, not counting – your 28 games in Detroit two years ago, that Miami season, 17 to 18, it's your career high in points per game. Um, it's your career high. It's, it's your second career high in shots attempted per game. And I think it's also your career high. Yeah, it is your career high in three-point attempts per game. So, yeah, you were letting it fly. Um, <laughs> I was letting it fly. I was yeah, letting it fly. So I, you know, I had a great opportunity um, in Miami. And uh, I think, you know, I think I took advantage of it and had some fun that year and uh, ended up breaking at the time the, the Heat uh, three-point record in, in terms of threes in a season. Um, and Duncan came along. And, oh, you had the record? Yeah, yeah. He beat oh, my that's record. legit. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So your game style has been super consistent throughout your career. That's why you've had 13 years in this league. Um, has any coach ever tried to – uh, utilize you differently or try to just change you up a little bit and just didn't, I mean, it was just different. you know, like every, every team knows what they're getting with Wayne Ellington, but has any yeah. coach been different than the rest what their expectations even? Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say so. Uh, maybe early on, early on in my career, um, there's been coaches that, you know, wanted me to, you know, hand, maybe handle the ball a little bit more, um, you know, play with the ball a little bit more and instead of being an off-the-ball, you know, movement player. Um, so, I mean, uh, but, but for the most part, nah, man. I think, I, think, I think I've always been able to play to my strengths. Um, I've, I've, you know, I've been in a lot of different situations, but, um, but still always I've, I've, I've played to my, 
my strengths, man, my, my catch and shoot and play, you know, that three point that three point line is uh what I love. The the golden arm or whatever uh basketball reference calls it. The man with the golden arm. <laughs> yep, yep. Man with the golden arm. People I got call that you that name in Miami. Shout out to uh Eric Reed. That's real. Yeah, that's the real deal. That's who gave you that? Uh Eric Reed. Eric Reed. There's a name. That's a name right there. So Wayne, uh, I got one more question, Zach, if you got anything else, no, I'm good. Me know, but one more before we get you out of here and we appreciate you spending the time. So I have played one basketball game on the court at Staples. Um, in my life, it was uh, not a very competitive game, but it was fun. <laughs> but the reason I bring that up is because I remember being on the court and looking up and you see all those jerseys that have been retired and you see all those banners. Yeah. And you see all the history and yeah. you've obviously played in LA before. So you've seen it. Now the stakes are a little bit different. You're with another hall of fame legend, another arguably, arguably, you know, goat with LeBron. Um, and the expectations are really high. So you've been around the league played for five, six, seven, eight teams. Nine, nine. There you go. When you sit there and look up in the rafters, does that stuff hit you at all anymore? Are you numb to it? And in addition to that, what are your expectations for this season with the Lakers? Uh, well, my expectation, first of all, is, is to win a championship. You know, that, that's that's our mindset, and that's what we're all here for. We're ready to win a championship. Um, and, and you know, looking up and seeing those banners, uh, those jerseys, and the history, I love that. I love that, man. I love that. Just because it it reminds me, because it's the same thing when I walked into Carolina. Mm. You, know, you walk in, you walk in into the Dean Dome, man, and you look up and you see jerseys, you see championship banners, you see uh you know history and and you know that's 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 what i love man I, you know and that was one of the main reasons why i went to carolina uh was to be a, be a part of that um so you know when i when i go into the staples and i and i get up and i look up man it's nothing but inspiration for me and, and allows me to uh you know grind and have that confidence and uh feel feel like you're a part of something um that's that's enormous and uh, I'm excited. Man, you could really be historic if you get banner number 18, which exactly. overtakes the Celtics. That would be pretty unreal. Bullseye. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for taking the time. And I wanted to say uh, there were a few times where you were on the, the buyout market a couple years ago, a few years ago, when the Rockets still had James Harden. Yeah. Des- desperately could have used a, a wing. <laughs> and, uh, there were a few times where I was hoping you might have you might have made the decision to come to Houston, but it didn't happen like that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But did did I ever cross your mind? You can say no. It's okay. Um, it crossed my mind. It did cross my mind. And in fact, um, right before uh, James went to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's when I think I had you know the most uh, talks with them. I had some, I, you know, I talked to James a little bit, and, and he, you know, he was on his way elsewhere. So um, he was like, "Yo, sinking ship, avoid, avoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't come this way." <laughs> You've been trying to jump off like John Wall right now. <laughs> nah, damn. but yeah, well, man. Houston's a great city, though, man. Respect to Houston. Hey, it's all good, man. Like I'm saying, we could have used you. We really could have. Um, but all that being said, man, thank you for taking the time. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. And, you know, as soon as they signed you, I was like, well, goddamn, 
that's that's the guy. He's going to have one of those games in the playoffs. One of those you drop like five, six, seven threes, twenty something <laughs> points. Back breaking game five swing game. It's coming. So there we go. I already know. So we'll speak see. It, man. Speak it. Yeah, I mean, manifest it, right? Um, so we're going to be, you know, keeping track of what happens with you, what happens with LA. Uh, like I said, I'll just tell you while we're here, there's a place called Chef Kang's, K-A-N-G. It's like King with an A. Um, they got some Korean fried chicken, man. It's super, super bomb in LA. And there's a joint called My Two Cents um, off Curse. I think it's Curson and Pico. Also good. But if you need any recommendations, feel free to get at me. Um, Wayne, thank you so much for taking the time, man. We'll keep up with you. Hopefully we'll check back in at some point and best of luck this season, man. Appreciate you fellas for having me. Um, I'm definitely going to check out those two spots. You just told me and look forward to, uh, hopefully I get to get on with you guys again at some point, man. Hey, maybe, absolutely. I, have some, maybe I have some hardware to show off. Next now, I'm about to say, we're, we're going to look forward to bringing back NBA champion. You, if you hang banner 18, we're definitely getting you back on, but <laughs> best of luck, man. Praying for you. This is the year. And, uh, Timberwolves legend, you're out. Thanks again, man. Brothers, thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one, bro. Thank you. All right, you too.